Good afternoon and welcome to Hashtag No Limits. I am your host, Shelly Kino, and Hashtag No Limits is a show about people that society has placed limits upon but who have busted through those limits. As an education consultant and former special educator, I have seen this happen so many times where a child, you, you might think a certain thing about that child at a young age, and when they turn into an adult, they are doing so many things that maybe people didn't think they would be able to do. Or, um, you know, just even academically within a, a short period of time, things will happen that people didn't think were going to happen. It could also happen medically. And so I'm so pleased to bring these stories of everyday people doing wonderful things and busting through those limits. And as you've probably always noticed, if you've watched this before, that I have a butterfly up in the corner because Ophelia says in Hamlet, we know who we are, but not who we will be. And the caterpillar turning into the butterfly to me exemplifies that like nothing else. I mean, why would you ever think something that was crawling on the ground would someday be soaring through the skies? So I just, I love the butterfly and I love that example. And I am so thrilled to introduce my guests to you today. Um, this is Purely Patrick is with me today. And Patrick um, and his mom, Mary Ann, are joining me. And so thank you for joining us today. How are you guys? We're good. Are we good? We're good. Yeah, thanks for having us, Shelly. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell us about Patrick and, and um, kind of what your lives have been like so far. So Patrick will be 30 in November, which I'm in a bit of denial over. <laughs> um, well, can that be? Because you must only be like 35. So. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. So how could he possibly be 30? Right. Um, so Patrick um, was born in 91. He was supposed to be born in 92, but he was 14 weeks premature. So um, to kind of give you a time frame of that, he was supposed to be born on Valentine's Day he was born three weeks before Thanksgiving. So he started out as an awfully little guy in the NICU. Um, his lowest weight was one pound, eight ounces, which is kind of hard to picture. The best way I can say is that my husband, Patrick's dad, George, who's not particularly a big guy, his wedding band, George's wedding band, went all the way up to Patrick's shoulder. So um, that's how tiny his arms were. But as I like to say, Patrick was a fighter and a lover. Um, always been a fighter and a lover, haven't you? <laughs> so Patrick has a diagnosis of cerebral palsy. He's got intellectual delay. He's got a seizure disorder. Um, and he's totally blind. Other than that, I love to and smile. And um, he does adaptive skiing, adaptive paddleboarding. He loves to swim. Loves to go for car rides and eat eat out when it's not in the middle of a pandemic. Um, you're very sociable, aren't you? The whole town knows you. And of course, he's got his own business, Purely Patrick. Yes, and you sent me several pictures, and one of the pictures that you sent me, I have a hard time looking at it not crying. And that's the picture of him in the NICU. And even just thinking about it, um, because he was so tiny and that I have a niece who was, um, she was eight weeks premature and, and you wouldn't know it today. Just like, you know, as far as Patrick's size, you wouldn't know right. that he was a preemie. And I've known other people that have um, been born premature, but, and, and I, I actually, now that I think about it, I know someone who's, um, I think she's older than Patrick, but I'm not going to say how much older. Um, and she was only like a pound and a half or a, a, a 1.8 or nine ounces too. So, um, you know, that is, is just amazing. But the, the picture that you shared and I'll share it with our audience here in a little bit was, it's, it was just so, I don't know, it just over overwhelmed me, um, to, to see exactly how tiny. And as a new parent, that's kind of an overwhelming way, obviously to start. I mean, I think new parenthood is overwhelming in its best case scenario, but, um, in some regards, you were leaving Patrick in the best of care in the NICU, but in other regards, you were going home 
empty handed. I was going home empty handed from the hospital without a baby. And then each and every day when you had to leave the NICU, you were going home without this individual. And, you know, a lot of times you could talk to Patrick or you could touch him, but you couldn't do both because it would overstimulate him and he would go into an apnea event or a bradycardia. Um, I will never forget, We, my husband and I felt very strongly to have Patrick baptized in the NICU. And the minister that had married us that had I had grown up with came down um, about an hour and a half from Baltimore and they granted him special permission to come in as well as my parents. And so it was a very tiny little ceremony, um, closely over overseen by the NICU nurse. She sure. kept stopping it because Patrick was going into medical crisis. Sorry, this is a little more important. And I will never forget that the minister brought some water from the River Jordan to baptize Patrick. And the, the NICU nurse said, Oh, with all due respect, no, sir, you will use my sterile bullet. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so he gave him a sterile bullet of water, and that's what he was baptized with. So, um, yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, and I think I'm trying to remember if he was 23 days old or 25 days old when we were finally able to hold him. Oh. Um, because again, you just can't handle a little preemie that much. Right. Um, right. Without kind of sending them into crisis. And, um, and even then it was like a quick picture, a quick snuggle and back you go because you're losing your body temperature out of your right. isolator and you need to get back in. So, yeah, but look at you. Look at you. You're a big strapping brute, aren't you? <laughs> yes, yeah. I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I... Um, my book, which I know that you have read, and thank you for the kind words that you shared with me the other day. Um, there was a parent in there who her child was whisked away right after giving birth. And she said she she was kind of like you what you said, you know, that she, she didn't leave the hospital. She stayed where she was, but the baby had to go to a different hospital. And, and uh, she said it was so strange because she knew she was a mother, but she didn't feel like she expected to feel as a mother because she didn't have the baby to swaddle and hold and, and right. you know, all of those kinds of things. So did I, did you go through things like that as well? Oh, I most definitely did. Probably my rock bottom moment was um, the second day of Patrick's life. I had been in a high risk um, OBGYN unit for weeks in the hospital prior to Patrick's birth. So I was not, I was on a hundred percent bed rest. So um, and then I had had an emergency C-section, so I wasn't exactly raring to go at the moment. So um, George went to the NICU and had some time with Patrick, and the nurses took a Polaroid picture, which is about as good as it got back in the day. Sure. Right. So the Polaroid picture was taped on my little hospital bedside table, and so it was hard to get any scale or perspective in this Polaroid picture. And I, hi there, buddy. I. Um, was working really hard on trying to sit upright without my blood pressure dropping since I hadn't sat upright for six, six weeks and I had just had major surgery. Um, so the next day I went by wheelchair to the NICU and when I saw Patrick, I just totally broke down and lost it because I just kept saying to my husband, that's not him, that's not him. Because in my mind's eye, he was so much bigger Right. Because in the Polaroid, he just looked bigger to me and there were no details and you couldn't, you know, you just couldn't really see anything. And I just was so shocked when I first finally saw him, how tiny he was. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was kind of a, a very brutally raw week where I was really kind of hesitant to bond because I didn't want to lose. If I was afraid if I lost him, it would hurt even more. And it was George who said, you know, but if you don't bond and you lose them, you're never going to forgive yourself. And I was like, he's absolutely right. And that was kind of my turning point. Yeah, so. that, that does make a big difference. And I want to share, if it's okay with you, um, because we are talking about that that time of how tiny he was. Um, is it okay if I pull up the slide and share that? Yes, picture? absolutely. 
Um, so I'm not sure. I got to see what you're seeing first to make sure that I, okay. Yep. Nope. It's, it didn't go into full screen there. So, okay. So yeah, that's the, we'll get back to that in a second, but, and, and I put the two pictures, these two pictures together to show. It's the same head angle, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it's just such a, a vast difference. And I just can't imagine. I mean, I'm looking at, I, I'm presuming that's your hand. No, that's a respiratory therapist. I oh, okay. wasn't really handling him at that point to that level of comfort. Uh -huh. uh, and they really didn't want us to No, that was a respiratory therapist who had um, taken his, I think at that point he was on nasal cannula and she was doing what they call a blow by therapy and like suctioning him. So, uh, but you can see how little his arm was and how George's right. ring would have indeed gone up to his shoulder. Um, he also still had the Velcro patch. You can only see it, I guess, on his left side. Um, but he had the Velcro patch for the Billy Rubin lights. As oh, well. gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and you that's, can that's an interesting contrast. I've never seen them side by side like that. That's that's a that's a great way to to view it. Well, and he looks so happy, and I love the this pink shirt. That's such a good color on him. You, I have other pictures that you know, like I said, we'll show a little bit later. And and this one, he just looked so happy, and I just thought, you know, that's such a contrast. And I did want to to bring that out um, because it, it, like I said, I, I actually did okay this time looking at the picture. I'm not bursting into tears like I was the other times that I would see that NICU picture. And, um, so, do you know, like, approximately how many days old he was? in that shot? I think he was about maybe two weeks old in that shot. Wow. And by that, I mean, he's probably grown somewhat, you right. know, probably not a, right. a lot, but. Right. Wow. So my other kind of interesting little NICU tale, I may have told you this already, Shelly, is that, you know, the lactation specialist visits you in your room and kind of sets you up with, let's help you teach you how to pump because Patrick's not most likely ever going to be able to, to breastfeed, but the breast milk would be very valuable to him. And and he never did get that suck, swallow, breathe coordination. So oh, gotcha. the breast milk was gavage fed through a um, an, uh, an OG tube. Um, but I had to have a way to get the breast milk that I expressed at home back to the NICU. Um, and they gave me tons of little like 50 milliliter bottles. And so my dad, with a funny sense of humor, brought in a Coors Light insulated <laughs> So Patrick's breast milk traveled back and forth, or, or not back and forth, but right. to the hospital in the Coors Light. And so every single NICU nurse knew this Coors Light cooler. And they were always like, here comes your beer, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. Oh, that's a so that we is really tried to make as good a situation as you could. The other thing was the NICU nurses were just phenomenal. And they said, you know, you wake up at 2 a.m., you're worried, you're nervous, you call us. You're not waking us up. We all work 24-7. Not, not they all work 24-7, right. but they're there 24-7. And so I would do that. I'd be like, I can't sleep. How's my little guy? And they'd give me the update. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. So if uh, we have a, a guest, I mean, an audience member who I guess missed the, the first part of, how much did he weigh when he was born? He was one pound, 14 ounces, and then he dropped to one pound, eight ounces. Wow. So that was his lowest, was one, one and a half pounds. Yeah. Wow. That's today you're at 165, aren't you, buddy? <laughs> and some ounces, but we're not going to talk about the ounces now. Right, 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 we don't right. need to. <laughs> we're not going to go there. Yeah. So tell me about, um, so like all the adjustments that you had to go through once you brought him home and then like, you know, kind of just an overview of, you know, kind of what his life was like going to school and what the schooling was like. And I'm um, just kind of bring us up to, and then we'll start talking about the business. So, you know, being a new parent, I think I would have been nervous regardless. Um, when Patrick was um, in the NICU, he was actually discharged to the pediatric unit as kind of a step down. And we were concerned that he was congested um, at that point um, when he was discharged. Um, um, thankfully, he was discharged um, on an um, on an apnea monitor, which was on him pretty much twenty four seven. Um, and unfortunately, that alarmed. Um, 
I would say within maybe four days of being home, that went off um, and Patrick had coded. He got RSV, which is a respiratory syndicial virus, and was whisked back by the ambulance to the PICU at a different hospital. Um, I was fighting to go back to the NICU because they knew him, not realizing that, you know, once you graduate from the NICU, it doesn't matter if you're just out two days, you're now PICU material, not NICU material. So, oh, uh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. So, so into the pediatric intensive care unit, we went, um, where they did a experimental drug, um, that they were using. It wasn't even FDA approved at the time. Um, because he had apparently such a bad case of RSV that they really felt that this was the one life threatening, one life saving thing they could do. I remember they said it was a, what they call a tertiary drug. So we, he was in a room with double doors. We had to come in, shut that door, go in the next one, shut that door. Um, meanwhile, I'm thinking, what is this doing to, to us? But a little, little <laughs> guy. Um, but he continued to fight the. Um, relevance I think of this story is that I think it just always exaggerated the fear we always had that like okay he's good for the moment but when is the next shoe gonna drop um and oh we see your belly um now they'll know you don't weigh one pound eight ounces anymore (laughs) so um the other critical piece of that which has really kind of shaped Patrick's life is that they had to put him on 70% oxygen. Now that may not sound like a lot, but room air is only 21% oxygen. So 70% oxygen is a lot. And they had to continue him at that level really to sustain his life. His retinas were well attached and in good shape when he left the NICU. Um, But that event was probably what started the detachment of his retinas um, and caused the retinopathy of prematurity. Um, So he um, at one point had surgery to one eye. What you looking for? Oh, you're going to get your harmonica. You can play that for them. Um, And that gave him a little bit of light perception. However, he's lost the light perception. So he really, and now he's got corneal clouding on top of it. Um, So for all intents and purposes, Patrick's, uh, he wasn't born blind, but he's, I think, you know, always, that's what he's always known. Um, And honestly, I, I, I don't mean to belittle his blindness, but I think in the scheme of things, sometimes that's the least of his issues. Um, however, you know, you do pick up so much learning vicariously through your vision that, you know, maybe if he had some vision, it it would have helped. So, right. Right. Who's to say? (laughs) Right. Exactly. We, we can't go back and relive. So yeah, we Um, we just have to. Anyway, then he, he started early intervention, um, at home. He, because of his, um, uh, diagnosis of blindness, he was eligible to work, uh, to go in the early um, intervention infant toddler program at the Maryland School for the Blind, which was phenomenal. Um, that kind of shaped me. I have been an occupational therapist for 12 years before Patrick was born. I realized there was a world of pediatrics out there I had never thought to explore. And so I kind of switched gears at that point and became a, a pediatric OT, um, a double agent, as I like to say. But I kind of learned from Patrick and I, what I learned, I applied kind of with Patrick. Um, and then I eventually ended up at the Maryland School for the Blind for 16 years. Um, I would probably still be there if I hadn't moved, if we hadn't moved to Vermont to open a bed and breakfast. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure, did I answer your question, Shelly? Yeah, you did. Um, not completely, but that's okay. So yeah, we were talking about like his schooling. Um, so was he at the Maryland Institute for the Blind his whole school career then? Yes, Maryland School for the Blind. Yes. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> he, was, he was as long when we lived in Maryland, he was there. Um, when we moved to Vermont, he went into a public high school because there was no 
school for the Vermont. It's so much tinier of a population. They just don't have the census to support it. Um, so he went from a very um, small uh, school with like a very supportive ratio of special ed teachers and paraeducators. And basically in his program, there was one special ed teacher and two paraeducators to six kids. Um, Patrick had never had a one-on-one -on -one aid um, because behaviorally he, you know, he just didn't need that. But when he moved to public high school, he did have a one-on-one -on -one aid. Um, and they were a little lost because they had never had a Patrick. Um, and so I really kind of helped them develop a curriculum that worked for him. And that's when we started his business and his, his BI, his behavioral intervention support person came to the house to work on his products with him to see if it was something that could really be feasible and work. So, um, but they, instead of doing adaptive PE, I took them to the um, indoor swimming pool because again, Patrick would have been the only one in adaptive PE and it was hard to adapt kind of the regular ed curriculum to Patrick. Um, in the winter, he did adaptive skiing and the school bus transported him there. And so, um, they really, they really did a phenomenal job figuring out how to best meet Patrick's needs. And I really appreciate that, that, that part of your story. You said they'd never had a Patrick before. What? To be honest, every student that walks into a classroom, a teacher has never had a student like that before. True. Unfortunately, though, we forget that sometimes and you know, we 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 want the the student to learn us instead of the other way around. Um, but it doesn't sound like you had bad experiences. It sounds no, like you're... we had a very good experience. We had a phenomenal special ed coordinator, some really good support therapists. Um, the the BI is was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's that warms my heart because unfortunately, as an education consultant, I get called in for the cases where parents are not receiving that kind of support, and they should be based on the law and you know just right. kind of, in my opinion, human kindness. But <laughs> um, but my opinion doesn't always hold water. So, <laughs> but yeah, so it does. It really it really warms my heart to see that that teachers and, and um, administrators understand right. when they need to learn somebody else and because of that individualization of our laws and our, our programs that we write. So at what stage did you decide um, or, or how did the business idea come about? Let's go that, let's go with that question. So it was definitely an evolution um, for years and years and years. I was, struggling with what is Patrick going to do when he graduates. And um, the one thing that gave me some solace with that was I think our daughter was probably seven and Patrick was probably nine. She asked me, mom, will Patrick go to college? And I got rather choked up and said, nope. I don't believe so. And she said, well, why not? And I said, well, I just think it's going to be too hard for him. And, um, you know, she obviously loved Patrick for who he was and didn't quite understand the whole big picture anyway. But um, so she said, well, what will he do when he grows up, mom? And I, again, got a little teary eyed and said, Desiree, I just, I don't know yet. I, I honestly don't know. And I think in my mind, I was picturing like a medical daycare program and thinking, I really, I hope not. <laughs> I just, it doesn't feel comfortable for me. Um, and Desiree, our daughter out of the mouth of babe said, I know mom, Patrick's job will be to make everyone happy. Oh, and I was just like, Okay, that gave me peace of mind ongoing, like you wouldn't believe. I was just like, it's going to be okay, because if nothing else, that will be Patrick's job. Yeah, and that's so cool. That all the time, don't you? So, um, so that kind of helped me relax the pressure of what 
are we going to do? What, what does this look like? Well, then we move to Vermont where services are very individualized and they um, have very much of an inclusion model. Um, and um, they have like, what, what can we do to make it work for Patrick kind of mentality, which we're very fortunate about. Can you sit up please? Whoa, whoa, are you getting tired? Sit up a little bit. But, um, so what I was doing was looking at what Patrick could do as an OT and kind of as a mom, what could Patrick do? And he used to make these, oh, it's like a boy sound, <laughs> these, these <laughs> motions. Um, and he would make these squishy hand farts, for lack of another word. That's what, call it what it is, right, Patrick? So. Um, he would take, um, so what I was trying to figure out, what can we do with these hand motions to try to put into something functional? So his OT at the School for the Blind said, well, what if we make bath salts? So she would put salts and scents and um, color into a um, like Ziploc baggie and Patrick would squish it and mix it together. And so that seemed to be working for a while. Um, then we were like, well, now what are we going to do with these? Well, he had a pouring device. And so she said, well, let's take it the next step. Once he's done with the bath salts, we'll put them in his pouring device. He can hit the switch and that'll fill these little cups, little bottles, and we'll make labels and we'll sell bath salts. So that's really how it started was kind of looking at what Patrick could do. And that was the first vocational use he had had of the pouring device. He had used it to put the egg in the um, cake mix, help me make your milkshake, water the plants, that kind of thing. But he had never used it vocationally. So then <laughs> bath salts is kind of the way life goes, huh? Bath salts were starting to become contraband because kids were starting to sniff them. Okay. And so, yes. So, bath salts were being outlawed everywhere. And actually, we were selling them here at the, because then we had moved to Vermont and we were still doing this bath salts while we own an inn. It's perfect. We'll sell them at the inn kind of sure. mentality. So, we had a guest from Ireland who bought some and took them home, got waylaid in the um, Belfast Airport because she had contraband bath salts. So oh, no. she said, it's not a big deal. I'll throw them away. I don't mean to have some. And so when she emailed me this story, I was like, it's time to stop the bath salts. So, so then we were, we were kind of like, well, what can we do that doesn't have the same health hygiene standards? So we got into like the dog cookie thing. But that wasn't really a win-win for Patrick because he couldn't participate in much of that. So he didn't like squishing the dough. He didn't like using the dog bone cookie cutter and cutting them out. Um, he didn't seem to care for the smell. It was a different recipe back then. He didn't seem to like anything about this process. And a little bit of tactile defensiveness and so the other thing is when you're doing hand over hand assistance with a child who's blind you're like you're, you're blocking my vision let my hands alone i don't want any hand over hand assistance thank you so it, it just was like why are we doing this this is this is not working for patrick so along, along about that time we had a graphic designer that was helping us out and i said to her I'm trying to figure out what Patrick's going to do if he's not liking these um, dog cookies. And she said, well, is there some way he could assemble a kit of dog cookies that he doesn't actually make them, but he puts the ingredients in them and someone could take them home? And I said, that's a great idea. So I thought I can't take this recipe, which was huge, and titrate it down to like a little Ziploc baggie. How am I going to do that? Right. So I drove online. And I Googled dog cookie recipes and one happened to be in a ball jar. And I was like, well, look at that. We could do, and I had done, you know, cookies like that for teacher gifts over the years. I'm like, we could do, we could do a 
dog cookie jar and you could use your switch and again the switch can be in front of patrick the ingredients which are pre-loaded and pre-measured by the job coach can be out of any hygiene concern ways and and voila and so we started with dog cookies we started with chocolate chips we started with one soup we have we had five things i'm trying to think what the other two were but anyway so that's how it all started it was kind of an evolution so that's so awesome and to be able to think outside the box so to speak and or outside the ball jar and you know to to figure that sort of thing out and so um yes one of the reasons that she talked about the fact that the dog biscuit recipe was different then than it is now is because I actually purchased the dog biscuit recipe and it's amazing. It came in this container at the time, this container was full um, and it came and I forgot to grab it to, to show it today, but it came with a little um, sticky or not a sticky note, but a little, yes, attachment, I should say that had the directions on the back and told me exactly what else I needed and the exact amount of what I needed. And then there was the cookie cutter in the shape of the dog bone. <laughs> now, I'd, I had looked down just a minute ago to see, and I just double checked that if my dog was here with me, because most many times he'll lay by me when I'm doing this, um, and he's not, but I was going to show you, he's just a little like eight, not even eight pound chihuahua. Oh. And so when I got the cookie cutter and I made the first set of cookies, um, you know, they're this big. That's like a third of the size of my dog. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. We have little dog bone cookie cutters. And, oh, we do you? <laughs> and we hardly ever put them on because we don't know. Like we right. just don't on the side of this dog is probably big. But we right. have little dog bone cookie cutters. That's oh, that's funny. funny. Well, but so, so my thing is, you know, I was able to get out of the mix, I think it was 45 of, I don't know if that's like kind of what the normal amount is, um, but then I have to break these in thirds. So, you know, I've got like 125 <laughs> dog biscuits now <laughs> and my dog absolutely loves them. Like he actually kind of did a little taste test and I was like, okay, here's a store-bought kind and here's a purely Patrick kind. And he picked the purely Patrick kind over two out of the three store brand kinds. So that made me feel really good because I thought these are all natural ingredients and, you know, they're better for him than the store-bought stuff is going to be. I have to say somebody um, emailed me once and said they smelled really good. Did I ever try them? <laughs> I, no, honestly, I haven't, but you could. It's all it's all edible. Right, right. It's got Parmesan cheese and there was uh, some, what, garlic in it? Well, and little garlic, yep. Yeah, and, and of and course. wheat flour and uh, there's some dried milk in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we so, do those wheat-free, too, because apparently quite a few dogs have wheat allergens. Really? So. That's yeah, so crazy. Either, so. Yeah, so yeah, I um my next order will be probably um one of the soups or one of the cookie mixes because well, so I brought I brought them to show because that's part of the evolution as well. So we started in the ball jars. This is what uh -huh. Patrick's crazy cranny. Um, so ball jars are probably our original go-to method of packing. Um, as you said, you got yours in a reusable water bottle. Um, and this was kind of an evolution of shipping. Um, we were looking for something that was lightweight and less breakable. And then we actually just recently have started with this um, food grade FDA approved um, bag. Oh, like a vacuum sealed bag. Yeah. And the nice thing with that is you can heat seal it at the top. So it's, you know, it's totally... Uh, tamper proof so and then this is this is the bird seed mix this one is a nice one for patrick to make because it's noisy and ah. this one's very noisy too he he likes to wake, make the ones it seems that are the noisiest or have the most <laughs> smell like his chai tea is really a very aromatic one um but this was an idea of our daughter as well, because a lot of people would come up to him at farmer's markets and say, I want to buy something for my grandmother, but she's diabetic. And so Desiree came up with this idea. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So I'm going to go back to the slideshow and just sure. 
share a little bit of those again. Um, so yeah, so this is a little bit of the what the items come packaged as. And I gotta get to the right picture here. Um, so this looks like it's got some colorful, maybe M&M. So I'm guessing that's one of the cookie mixes. So he does just an M&M cookie and he does a, a regular M&M and a gluten-free M&M. Well, the M&Ms aren't what's gluten-free, but the flour part is gluten-free. I mean, the, the M&Ms are gluten-free, but this is his Easter brand. So what he tries to do is find, which was hard last year, but he tries to find the holiday M&Ms and swap them out, you know, and yeah. say, you know, even if you order online at that time, do you want Easter M&Ms or do you want spring M&Ms? You know, do you want Christmas M&Ms? So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And then the next picture will be the one that we showed. Um, and so this, can you see what the three different pictures yeah. are in here? Yep. Do you want to go ahead and, and describe what's happening in each one? So this is Patrick um, doing his community thing. So the first one, we're at the grocery store um, shopping for the, his ingredients. And Patrick, it's money in, money out, isn't it? He, he comes along and he buys his own, in, his own ingredients. Um, sometimes, you know, he likes to hold the cart, but he really can't push it. You know, we've tried, I'll push you, you push the cart. Yeah. <laughs> it ends up in a derailed train wreck. That <laughs> work so well. um, they do have, and I couldn't find the picture. I think it's on my poster board picture. You do have a Caroline's cart at that grocery store, which has a big insert car seat, um, and it's got four wheels. You can lock the casters so it doesn't keep sliding off on you. And then I can transfer Patrick in that, and then it, he's part and parcel of the cart, and so that works really well too. Yeah. Um, the second picture is um, in Patrick's room. It's he's got his ingredients behind him, but he's um, got some boxes that he's shipping off for an online order and then the next picture he's going to the post office um in his lift van um with his job coach and myself to, to mail them so we had a picture of the patrick inside the post office although we <laughs> we were informed it was a federal offense to take a picture inside a post office so really we didn't know that, did we, Patrick? So we decided we better not make that one too public. <laughs> I did not know. So many rules because I thought it was so, it was like such a perfect picture to promote Patrick's really at the post office mailing your package. And then I was like, okay. Oh, we that's good. That. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's so crazy. All the things. Uh-oh. All right. Well, we're going to, I don't know why it's giving me this message. Oh, there we go. Okay. There we go. So Patrick loves to be outside. These are both water pictures. One happens to be in uh, Sanibel, Florida, and one happens to be at Cape Cod. Um, but we actually own a beach wheelchair. That one we rent from the, a bicycle shop down there. Um, a lot of uh, towns now have them kind of available to make the beach ADA accessible. Uh, but it's hard to see. That one has big balloon tires, so it's it's easier. It's not a piece of cake, but it's easier to push on the beach with that. Um, but Patrick just loves the sunshine. He loves the breeze. He loves the fresh air. He loves the sounds. He, he's quite an outdoor enthusiast, aren't you? Yeah, I think some of the next pictures. I love this. I, this is to me like his sense of humor. Like we've got Bernie and then we have Olaf. So, <laughs> so, so you know, Bernie was appearing everywhere, and so he was, yeah. Tried really hard to figure out how to get Bernie to come to the farmers market, and one of them is not dressed correctly, but I can't figure out which one of it is. <laughs> one of them's either either really hot or really warm, but um, so you know, this is Patrick's. He's got his ten by ten tent. He's got we we kind of got bored with the ten by ten or eight by ten table with his products. And so I uh, I scoured the neighborhood for wooden um, ladders and we painted them the primary colors. And so that's how we display his- uh, Those are awesome. His things. And my husband put little edges on the back of each ladder. Like you can't see them because the products are there. But that way we don't, we've only lost a couple. We don't, we don't usually lose too many, they don't, not too many of them break. But anyway, the yeah. next one, um, is Olaf, yes. I'm um, on a 
was on a Stowe Vibrancy board and we were doing a, a whole week winter wonderland weekend thing and no one else would dress up as Olaf. So I said, I would. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, we might as well get our uh, get our money's worth out of having this costume here. So absolutely. Yeah. So there's dad. There's dad. That's at, um, so the first one is an accessible trail um, a little south of us that we went to one Father's Day um, that overlooks a waterfall. And the other one is the Corkscrew Swamp in Naples, Florida. Okay. So we are always looking for kind of like accessible paths. And we, we get pretty good at knowing where they are in every state, don't we? I, yeah, I bet. So this is a little, a little better version, a better view. I mean, of the, uh, of the ladders. Yeah, of yep. the ladders, and you at the farmers market. But then, and then I'm in the same shirt. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's Patrick at the farmers market, and then the one on the left is Patrick using his rolling. He's got a rolling anterior walk, anterior walker, um, which he can go for very short distances. Kind of the symbolism of that picture was that was his post for his walk for to end Alzheimer's. Oh, so wow. his cookies he makes is a uh, Grandma Joe's snickerdoodle, which was my mom's recipe. And um, two dollars from every jar goes to the Vermont Walk to End Alzheimer's. So that's what he was doing. He was doing his his walk, weren't you? <laughs> to promote it. So now we get into the some more yeah. outdoor activities. So this is um, at Stowe Mountain Resort. Um, they have a very strong adaptive program. Um, it's part of Green Mountain Adaptive Sports. I'm on, I'm on the board of that too. I think that's part of the secret is to keep these things going by being involved. Uh, but Patrick participates in a sit ski, which basically is a sled. It's got a, a chest harness it's got a, a foot strap and a knee strap um some people are tethered um to the instructor and participate by kind of weight shifting and can turn the sled patrick is um more passive than that in that he is not able to either physically cognitively visually do that so they they seat assist him and they do the turns for him um but he just absolutely loves this he um you haven't heard patrick sing too much today but he has quite a repertoire of songs when he's in the mood and one of the songs he sings which took us quite a while to piece this together but his young instructor figured it out he he was singing every time we were on the gondola take me to the place i love by red hot chili peppers i think its real name is called under the bridge Oh, wow. But there's a line in there that says, take me to the place I love. And that's what he was singing oh. repeatedly on the gondola. So, right yeah, you're so smart, aren't you? Yeah, you're smart. I'm still here. Your turn to talk. My turn to talk. So, um, on the left, Patrick is doing adaptive paddle boarding. Um, so, <laughs> Again, being on the board, I was kind of like, why does it have to be stand-up paddleboarding? Why can't it be sit-down paddleboarding? <laughs> right. So Patrick has really actually pretty good trunk control. Um, his hamstrings are terribly tight, but we've learned if we cross his left leg over his right leg, then he does better. He doesn't do well at all the other way. Uh, and so um, they started out very slow and steady, and it was enough to maintain his balance just when the guy was you know, rowing very gently. Towards the end of the summer, they're rocking and rolling back and forth and really trying to get them in. And then sometimes you can just see them like, why am I working so hard? I love to swim. Let me just fall in. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he's out on that board for probably a good hour at a time. He's really tired after that. So, um, And then the picture on the right is just Patrick swimming. Um, he does quite... He, he goes from his stomach and does like a flutter kick and then he rolls over on his back and he rests and he catches his breath. And so he, um, except for me keeping him from bumping the edges of the pool, I really don't, I mean, I'm in the water with him in case he had a seizure, but you know, he's really pretty independent in the pool. 
That's amazing. And I can't float. So that just the fact that he's floating at all is, is just oh, incredible to me. So the one on the left, that's probably a little better picture. You can't see the wheels so much, but that's Patrick at the beach again. Um, pure, pure joy. And then that's the um, Stowe Recreation Path. We just deviated off the path a little bit to get up towards the fence, but it's another really nice five and a half mile paved walk that's truly accessible. Really, really a nice path, isn't it, buddy? Because you know half the people on the path. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all of those that I have. I think I had included all of the ones that you sent me. I hope I did. And, oh, I think so. Um, so yeah, I think I, I did my best to get them all in there. There is one that you sent me that I wasn't able to put in, and that is um, the poster that I'm gonna share here in just a second, and that gives a better um, a better view of what you mentioned before about the grocery cart. Well, and I, I display this poster at farmer's markets because I, I kind of see farmer's markets as much of a moment to kind of use it as a teachable moment to help people realize that people with significant disabilities can indeed be self-employed and that Patrick really does make these products and this is this is what he does so um, right there's the Caroline card the blue one I'm gonna see if I can't make that a little bit so that it's a little more all of it at the same time so there in the bottom right he's using his switch you can I think that's bird seed you see falling <laughs> <laughs> into the jar so tell me a little bit about that switch. Tell us a little bit more about that. So I don't know if you can see it here. It's over here. I don't know what. Take that out for a second. Yeah. Okay. We can see that. The line yeah. of the light's kind of weird. So um, it's very simple. The switch part comes over. This is Patrick's quote work switch. So it's got a different texture than a couple of his other switches. And he knows that this is his work switch. And when, um, so the job coach will put the ingredients in the cup and then there's a funnel and into either the bag or the um, ball jar or the uh, water bottle. Patrick, can you show him when you, when you use your switch, what happens to the cup? I don't have anything in my hand. Can you can you show? Can you use your switch? I know there's nothing hooked up. Show. Can you see the cup pouring? Yeah. I know you don't. That's hear so it. cool. It's like, why am I working and nothing is happening? Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, so Patrick's one of his really good strengths is cause and effect. <laughs> You're still doing it, aren't you? Mm. Yeah, there you go. Carrie would be proud of you. Carrie's his job coach. Um, so he really has that cause and effect down pat. And so this is kind of like taking what he can do and taking his skill of cause and effect. I'm going to move that away from you so you don't have to work anymore. Um, and, you know, applying it to become a, a job. And, uh, you know, he doesn't work 24-7. No one wants to, do you? No. But he, um, he works five days a week, and sometimes he works faster than others. Um, sometimes he gets a little perseverative on things, and <laughs> therefore he, it's harder to focus. Uh, but you're a pretty good worker, aren't you? See, often when we work, I get an M&M or a butterscotch. Oh, is that what you're looking for? Ooh. No, hands down, buddy. Hands down. I, I mean, we all want rewards when we work, so I, I, I'm, I'm all about that, that butterscotch. Um, Marianne, we have talked about your website, well, his website, and that there's a little video on there that gives a little yes. bit. Do you want me to still show that, or have, do you feel like we've covered everything and that's in that video? Um, if you want to start it and, okay. or, or I don't know if you can do so that they can see Patrick working a little more, but you don't have to run through the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Let me, uh, let me pull that up. I'm going to get him an M&M while we're working. Okay. Absolutely. 
Yep. So this is his website. And the reason that I popped it on this part of the website first is I absolutely love that saying, don't diss my ability. I think that speaks volumes because I personally, I don't like the word disability because it comes from disable. And so, you know, saying don't diss my ability to me was um, I just I just thought that was amazing. So here's the video okay, down here. I stole it, I stole it from a self-advocacy t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. All right. So um, this looks like there's a different switch. Um, so it was that's Patrick's step-by-step. And okay. so what we do with that is we put the ingredients on so that he's telling us what's next in the menu and in the recipe and what to put out for him. Um, I've always struggled a little bit with the step-by-step. -step. The only other reason we usually use it is at the farmer's market to kind of engage people. Um, you know, thank you for stopping by. Let me know if you have any questions. It's a beautiful day out. Hope you're having a great day. I've always felt like it's a bit contrived and it's, right. it's got on there whatever I have put on there for Patrick to respond. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like it's got a finite use. Um, but yeah, you'll, that, that's a step-by-step. -step. Okay. And I love what you have written here too. I have cerebral palsy and even though I do not talk, I always get my point across. My hands see what my eyes cannot. Watch me make these products for you. So hopefully, can you hear it? Yep. Okay, good. Well, starting a business can be a big gamble. But a 19-year-old is winning with his Made in Vermont goods and is beating the odds, too. Gina Bullard has his story. Day, You're talkative today. Keep it going, my man. Patrick Lewis has a gift. That is how it all started, because he did that hand movement. And I thought, what can we do with that hand movement? capitalize on that. The teenager suffers from cerebral palsy after being born almost four months premature. But as his mom, Marianne Lewis, tells us, that doesn't hold him back. So he doesn't have any um, vision at all, um, but he does a lot of exploration with his hands. Um, he also had some brain damage from his prematurity. And um, so he uses kind of sounds and songs to communicate. His business, Purely Patrick, capitalizes on what he can do. Barley, split peas, rice. With a voice output and pouring device, the 19-year-old creates ready-to-make jar mixes. Like a kit, you just add the wet ingredients to Patrick's jars. From dinner to dessert, he can do it. This one is sequential, so you can put like the list of ingredients. Mm -hmm. Like that. <laughs> this one is his favorite, country soup, because it's the loudest to make. Singing as he works in his room. Just like the rest of us, he doesn't always feel like working. Are we boring you? Sometimes you can do like four jars in the morning. Sometimes he does one. And we're kind of into like let him take his own time. If he wants to work quickly, that's good. If he doesn't, you know, it's purely that. Do you think he has fun doing this? Oh, I think I like it. Do you like it? I think he does enjoy it. Patrick's jars range in price from $5 to 10 which he sells at his family's business, the Brass Lantern Inn in Stowe. Um, I don't think Patrick really worries about how much he sells. I think he has just more fun in the process. Right, bud? What? Patrick also loves going to local farmers markets, meeting the community, and marketing his business. I'm not sure that he's going to retire rich with this business, but I think it's enough to give him like a, a meaningful purpose and, and, and enjoyment. That's what I'm hoping. Vermont products made purely with purpose. Gina Bullard, Channel 3 News, Stowe. That's awesome. And I think, I know you had said to me once before that, you know, you were, um, the, the website, you were kind of like, well, we, we put it together, you know, it could, I think it's fabulous.
I mean, it's got everything that you need on it. It tells you, tells his story. Obviously, that was done just a couple of years ago. Well, yeah, I realized it's like he was 19 there. And what's really funny is I realized how advanced our table has gotten. That table, like, was so small and not working. (laughs) George helped us order a larger table that even has electricity in the legs. So, you know, we can plug things into the legs. wow. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's industrial. Um, I think the only, the only thing in my daughter, again, picked up on this, that I would change in the video. And I think it's, you know, it's just where the world is, is that when she said the, the Gina, the host said, Patrick suffers from cerebral palsy because my daughter very quickly said, suffers, Patrick doesn't suffer from anything. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, and that, yeah. I caught that too. And I was like, Oh, okay. So yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, and it yeah. is, it's just one of those things, you know, she probably didn't really think about what she was saying. Right. You know, um, or at least I hope not. But um, so we had another guest, another, I do that all the time. I say guest, but I mean, audience member and Jamie is somebody that I would like to introduce you to because Jamie was on several months back and she is the CEO and founder of uh, Spirit of Discovery Park. And it is going to be an all-inclusive park for every body. And I, I guess- it after you told me that. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Patrick has a note up here on his dry erase board, investigate spirit, what was it? Spirit of, of Discovery Amusement Park gift yes. shop, a potential venue. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And Jamie is doing such amazing things as far as, I mean, thinking literally, I feel about every person that could be employed or could benefit or enjoy this Spirit of Discovery Park. I guess Violet is her daughter i or i don't know maybe she was um because we talked about gluten-free dog 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 treats so i'm not sure (laughs) which which uh being we're talking about when she says violet is gluten-free um but yeah so i I think you know what what patrick has done what he's continuing to do and then also yeah maybe um you know maybe that would be something that she could have in the gift shop you know, that you guys could work something out, but, but she does, she does such a great job, like I said, of remembering every ability level. And so often I think blind people are left out in a lot of ways, but she is making sure that like their business cards have braille on them and, you know, things all around the park have braille on them. And um, they're having a, a, a grow garden that they're going to have. Uh, she shared a picture of it a few days ago, and I'm I'm so excited to have that in the St. Louis metro or St. Louis area. I don't know exactly where it's going up yet, but um, road trip. But, yeah, absolutely. I would love it if you guys came out, or I would love actually to come to Vermont and stay at your bed and breakfast sometime. Um, I've been I got to go to Maine a few years ago, and I just absolutely loved it. And the pictures that you show that I showed today that's that's my jam i love the mountains i love snow i love to look at the water i like to be on the water but like i said i can't float i don't swim but (laughs) magic will teach you awesome he will be he will be a miracle worker if he can because i've had many people try (laughs) so we do need to wrap up i could continue to talk to you and to talk about all the great things that patrick is doing but before we go um, obviously, we have purelypatrick.com as a way to find you all. Is there anything that you would like to share that we haven't already shared or any other ways or things that are going on that you would like to say really quickly? Well, the email, the uh, cell phone number that's on Patrick's website is my cell phone. Um, and, you know, it's either his job coach or myself that monitor his Purely Patrick email. Um, so, you know, if you have any questions about starting a business, um, how do you do this? How do you get a job coach? You know, again, realizing it's probably different in every state, but I'd be happy to talk to any parents. If there's someone who's like, explain that adaptive scheme to me and how do I get into that? You know, there's some district chapters that could probably help with resources and you know i'd be happy to be a resource for anybody whether it's recreational activities or whether it's you know employment um yeah and 
You know, I think the last thing I would say is that sadly Patrick's Facebook page got hacked not too long ago to oh. past recovery because they actually changed his recovery email. So Facebook has frozen that. And so we've just yesterday opened a new account. So if you want to friend him, it's purely Patrick Lewis. We're trying just one. He had a person before in a business. And, and now we can't get to either. So we're just doing now purely Patrick Lewis. So okay. feel free to friend him there and um, and spread the word. We appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure to get to know you. And I very much enjoyed chatting with you on the phone and the little bit of interactions that we've had through emails and such. And, and absolutely today has been wonderful. So thank you both very much. Thank and you. have a great rest of your day. Great. Thanks, Thanks everyone you, who Kelly. joined. Thanks.